sometimes it's just good to learn from others who have been there before you, who have walked that path and want to share what they've learned along the way. Great thing about this is that here we are to help you take shortcuts to your entrepreneurial success. Let's go. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Toby Feldman, who is an executive functioning coach and loves to talk about how we think and the benefits of learning about how our thinking functions work so we can understand why sometimes thinking seems like so much hard work. Welcome. Today we are talking with Toby Feldman and she is an executive functioning guru. And I loved talking to her a few weeks ago about how executive functioning works. I had no idea about the whole topic, yet it's part of our daily lives. Like we essentially use it every day. So when we were chatting, I'm like, I think this is something that we would be really cool to be able to put into a business perspective and basically fine tune it so we're aware of some of the choices we make and how we make choices and those sort of things. So welcome, Toby. And I'd love to hear from you um, just a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into work with executive functioning. Hi, welcome. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. So I began as a speech language pathologist. I was a pediatric speech pathologist working with preschool kids primarily. So I was aware of executive functioning, but it wasn't like a big piece of, of what I was doing daily with the kids. It wasn't until I had my own kids that were struggling with their executive functions in school. And so we were, we homeschooled, I homeschooled for 18 years, but my middle child went off to school in sixth grade and really struggled. It was something that I realized I kept bringing to the table to talk to the teachers and the support staff at the school and was not getting a response. We weren't getting anywhere. And what I realized was they had no idea what I was talking about. So that really led me on a journey of figuring out how best to support my own kid with his executive functioning. And then my oldest child had a, a concussion and started having issues with his executive functioning. So it's been sort of something that's unfolded in my own life. And the more I learned about it, the more I realized that my husband has executive functioning issues himself. And, you know, here's the thing, we all do this thing called executive function. Like it's something that we all do every day. It's, it's the hard things in life, like, you know, gratifying postponement and impulsivity, you know, controlling that impulsivity and organizing our day you know, long-term planning, all of the, all of those things that we do on the daily are executive functions. So it's when they start to break down that it's an issue. And my main focus has been with teens and young adults because their brains are not fully developed. And so there are natural challenges that come up because of that. So that's... <laughs> In, in a, a nutshell, nutshell. <laughs> very, very large in, in nutshell, <laughs> a big nut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know exactly what executive functioning is, you're talking about concussion and how we think. So it is to do with your brain. Mm -hmm. And can you expand on exactly what executive functioning is and, and I guess how we can sort of define where, what goes within this massive realm? So 
Executive functioning is what occurs in what we call the prefrontal cortex of our brain. And it is linked to the part of our brain that goes into fight, flight, freeze mode. So as adults, right, our brains are fully developed. And so we naturally are able to do things like plan our day, organize our systems that we're working with, be able to do a simple task like choose a recipe, create a shopping list, determine you know, what we have, what we don't have, doing all of that organizational tasking, being able to plan ahead. And a lot of it is visual, like visually planning what what do we need at the store? What are we going to need? And, and when you think about that, for most people, they start thinking about the, the aisles in the grocery store, even, you know, where they're going to have to go and find those specific ingredients. And so all of that happens subconsciously, right? There's, there's this like magic that goes on. When, when the parts of the brain are not functioning in that way, whether it be from ADHD or autism, you know, anything on that spectrum, any kind of neurodiversity, head trauma, or just not fully developed brain like with a teenager, then you're having a situation where those things are not naturally occurring. And so we're looking to scaffold them and help them to develop those skills. You know, that concept of like, my brain has too many tabs open. Yeah. You know, there's too many tabs open and like four of them are frozen and there's music playing and I don't even know where that's coming from. And that's kind of, you know, <laughs> a picture of what it may feel like when it's not working, right? And sometimes it's just because of stress. So things like stress and anxiety can drive us into that place of not being able to do all the things of it not just flowing. Executive function is a large umbrella for organization, planning, time management, impulse control, working memory, long-term memory. Like it, you know, depending on who you talk to, anywhere from nine to 14 tabs underneath that umbrella that you can talk about, like really breaking down. And they all sort of overlap, right? Like planning, time management, organization, that all sort of falls into the same place. So it's complicated. <laughs> Yeah, I can totally relate to having all the tabs open and not knowing where the music comes from. It's a really yeah. good analogy because I think especially with stress, it may not be there all the time, but a lot of people can fall into this place of essentially dysfunction, working back and or going, how then can we move from this space back into a place where we can function in a way that we can progress forward. So yeah, yeah noting that this isn't essentially a, an all the time thing, you may, <laughs> you may have it sometimes and you may not, or right. oh, sorry, you may be able to use your executive functioning better in some circumstances. Can you give us a little bit of information then about how this might impact specifically your business life? I guess this is something obviously that goes across the board, but specifically in the business context or you're working at home or you're, you're working your own business, how does executive functioning impact your business? So I have like, I can kind of go through sort of like a day of how that occurs. But I also want to tell you that when we were talking the other day, we had a, a spontaneous conversation that very much involved one of these things, right? We were talking about using text to voice app, right? Yeah. And that concept of sometimes we sit down in front of the computer and we open up a document and we've got this blank screen. And so that would be a challenge with task initiation, like you're just, some people will just stare at the screen and they don't even know where to start, you know? And so that idea of like having an idea 
using a tool like the app or any anything that you can capture those ideas on and being able to do it text to voice is a great tool for being able to capture it and then have it just populate into that document and rearrange it and like voila you've got this document that occurs and that's a great tool like even in schools there are some kids that require that support for like any kind of essay writing or report writing where they using a tool like that is really helpful so one of the biggest things that I would say from a business perspective is the the part where we plan the day. Whether it's done the night before or the morning, taking the time to use a planner, whether it be digital or paper, but taking the time to visualize, really mentally visualize what your day is going to look like and mapping it out both on paper and in your head. So what we've learned is that seeing ahead, like really seeing and visualizing what it's going to look like is critical to that planning process. And some people do that naturally and some people don't. (laughs) So, so even just, you know, kind of walking through your day and knowing that you're going to have this call at this time and visualizing that person's face that you're going to be seeing during that call or that group of people and knowing, you know, dinner, this is what dinner is going to look like and really just setting up your day in that way. And then in the process of planning, looking at the tasks that you need to do. So for some people, they will just write down, you know, write, write a course, you know, and it's just this, like, that's the goal. And for a lot of people, they can then mentally break that down and kind of do it. But for most of us, it's really helpful to take something like that and really break it down into bite-sized pieces. And really, again, visualize what do you see yourself actually accomplishing today? What are the things that you think you can really get to? And taking those smaller tasks and also taking those tasks that are really small and kind of getting them out of the way first so that you have also that mental boost of, I got it done. You know, I checked some things off the list. (laughs) I talk about the doable to-do list. And that is when people actually make a to-do list, often it's not what to do that they put on there. It's what they want to achieve which is two quite different things. And so when you're actually writing a to-do list, it needs to be, as you were saying, it needs to be things that you can actually physically do so you can tick them off. And write a course is a huge one, but if you break that down into record lesson one, write out lesson two, you know, create a specific worksheet, whatever it is, then those things in your head you can actually visualize how that how they would proceed rather than going write a course and you sit there at that blank computer screen. I, I know people can't see on an audio, but I was physically nodding a lot <laughs> when you were talking about that, <laughs> is that you can't actually visualize what those big tasks look like, which makes them really hard to achieve. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. planning out your day. Yeah. And then, you know, we talk about this a lot, the time blocking. And the time blocking is critical and it's important for time blocking to make sure that you're turning off all of those other things and really choosing before you go into the time block, before you set your timer, like make a decision about what it is that you're blocking that time for. Because some people will go into a time block and then be like, hmm, what am I going to do now? They'll start looking at the list and go like, okay, well, and then they'll t- spend, you know, half of the time block trying to figure out what they're going to do first. And then so, go make a cup of tea because right? they're not sure what to do. And Absolutely. Can, 
can you really quickly explain time blocking? Because it's something that I have started to embrace. And I tell you, it is hugely productive for me. Really quick two minute <laughs> segue. Yeah, what so is time, time blocking? blocking? It's really just, you know, you have this list that you create and you have these tasks that you're going to accomplish for the day. And then it's choosing okay, I'm going to do this task and maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes, whatever option of time. I have a great little like 5, 10, 15, 30, 60. So I just turn the block and it goes on. But you can use anything for a timer, right? And you just set it for that amount of time that you think you need for the task to be completed. And that is all you do. You turn off all the notifications, you close all the windows, you have no distractions, which we're going to get to next. But you you clear the space and all you're working on is that task. And the beautiful thing is if you give it five minutes, but it really needs 10, you just add another five. And just keep going. And if you get it done early, then you go make the cup of tea, (laughs) you know, and to make sure that like you go for the 15 minutes, say, and then you check your notifications if you have to check them. You know, I find that once I get going with time blocking, I'm just like, okay, next thing, next thing. And I'll just breeze through it. And I'm like happy not to look at my phone. (laughs) The The more important thing is not about how much time, but the fact that it is dedicated time and I think one thing that you sort of said in passing is but is also really important is that you've chosen to do this you choose Mm -hmm. to spend your mental capacity your energy your time on this particular task and just the act of choosing is an important step in the process of of channeling your your mental energy and Absolutely. one of the one of the things that we talk about is it doesn't matter if you choose something different to someone else. So you may choose to write a course or you may choose to coach people in that particular day, but you choose and then you go through with that decision rather than just floating through with whatever comes by. Yeah. And so a big piece of the time blocking that a lot of people miss is that part where we talk about getting rid of the distractions. For some people, they have a dedicated space that they're working in, and it's already free of extra distractions. But for some people, especially right now during COVID, when people are working from home, their spouse is working from home, whatever it is, the kids are home from school doing virtual, it's a little chaotic, and you may not have designated space that is clear. (laughs) And so part of what I like to build into that organizational piece of planning the day is taking a few minutes to make sure that my desk, my workspace is clear of anything that I don't require for the day ahead, that all the just like extraneous stuff is removed. And this is really important also for like digital clutter. So I can't even look at my husband's phone because his email says like a hundred thousand something emails because he just never gets rid of them. He never goes through it. And it just, it gives me heart palpitations. For some people, it's really helpful to make sure that their digital clutter is not available for them to see when they're doing the time blocking. That's a whole nother conversation about how to get rid of the digital clutter, but... (laughs) You wouldn't want um, to see my computer or my phone. My husband, who is an um, ICT engineer, he almost has a heart attack every time he helps with my computer. He's like, you need to close some of those tabs. <laughs> and yeah. one of the things when I'm time blocking is I, I minimize them. And so I can't see them. 
I know it's it's not getting rid of them because they're always they always come back. That works for me, and maybe that is a, like a, a step towards the bigger yep. step of, of closing them all eventually. But yeah, distractions yeah. and the digital distractions also of notifications. So like actually hearing a notification and even just having it pop up on your phone as like a change in the, or the lock screen. Right. It's actually distracting. You know a little bit about what happens when we, we see that shiny object in terms of our brain function. I, I don't know if I can describe it from the brain function perspective, but it's definitely like the shiny object thing. It's very real yes. <laughs> um, and, and it's happening as we speak. Like mine just lit up and I'm like, you know, like it is, I, I make sure to turn my phone over most of the time, but it's charging right now that being drawn to, and, and, and they say shiny thing, but really it's anything that's like, that <laughs> it's dinging now. Isn't that funny that we're talking about it? It's change. We're attracted to change. And so absolutely it's anything that's shifted in our environment. So if we set up the environment so that we have no distractions and everything is clear and there's this great visual field that we're working in, but then out of the corner of our eye, we see like, even for me, my dog's in the room all the time. And if he just like twitches his leg, I'm over there. I'm like, you know, are you okay? Is he okay? Like, what's going yeah. on? My my gut feeling is that it's part of our protective mechanism. It's mm-hmm. a safety thing that's kind of built in, right? That we're always tracking and aware of what's going on around visually. It's that goes into the fight, flight, freeze, right? Like if when you're if you're in a space. If we think like more primitively, right? If if you're in a space and then there's you know there's a creature coming that's that <laughs> might attack, then you need to like turn on, get into that mm-hmm. fright flight mode, and get the hell out of there. Yeah, no, and nothing else matters at that point in time. So all of those other thoughts that you were having, those creative thoughts, essentially wiped out. And if you have a look at airplane pilots. They're, they work off a black dashboard. What that kind of means is that everything is not moving, everything is dimmed, and what they react to would be if something lights up. And so that's really taking advantage of that shiny object <laughs> issue yes, yes, <laughs> is that they actually react to the fact when things light up rather than having everything lit up to start with and then say, turning something off or having something flashing on top of that black dash. There is a really, really good use for it. But when we're trying to get our creative thoughts out there and do a lot of our business work or our creative work, having those distractions can really literally lose those thoughts. (laughs) And it's helpful to have some kind of mindfulness practice in place for being able to pull yourself back on track, right? Mm-hmm. So like you have that moment, you're, you're, you're knee deep in whatever task you're working on, that thing happens, you're going off task, now you can't remember where you are, your timer's still ticking, so now you're starting to feel a little bit like, oh my gosh, I don't know where I was. And you're like, you can feel that shift in your body and being able to have the, the ability to just take a few deep breaths, close your eyes, take, take three deep mm-hmm. breaths and just, reconnect so that you can get back on track. And that kind of allows you to turn off the amygdala response, which is that fight, flight, freeze, to be able to turn it off. That's where things like doing an aroma reset or just smelling an oil or something to just shift you back into your space is really helpful. 
it's like having an association back with your work. So using a particular essential oil or using a particular breathing method or maybe even an, an affirmation that brings you back yes. into that workspace could really key for people that, especially when the kids are around at the moment, <laughs> there's a few distractions I'm sure a lot of um, <laughs> mums are getting and dads are getting at the moment. So is there any other tips that you, that you have of how to help improve your executive functioning throughout the day? So I think one of the other things is that, you know, the time blocking can be, for people that really struggle with this, it can be difficult. And to really break things down as small as possible, to allow yourself to keep building on the time. So maybe start with like a two minute task, really simplify it and build up slowly to having that tolerance of being able to work for a longer period of time. Because for some people, this is really, really tricky. The other thing is uh, for me personally, I think of it as a reward. Like I tend to have like that carrot that I dangle. Like if I can get through X amount of time blocks, then this is like the reward I get, whether it's getting up and playing, you know, catch with my dog or, you know, whatever it is. Cause I'm like, okay, we both need to move now. <laughs> We've been sitting here long enough or, you know, getting up to have a cup of tea or whatever it is, but kind of giving yourself. And again, using that visual to work that into your experience so that you do have that, that, carrot dangling that's kind of a nice tool for helping to pull you from from point a to point b mm -hmm. and and get this the things done for some people like for me just checking it off a list is really gratifying so for some people that's enough for some people it's helpful to have like a tangible thing that they're working towards at the end of the block or blocks the other thing is i'm thinking about with having kids in the house you know i you always have on the um I'm assuming noise. they're noise blocking. Are they like the noise yes. canceling headsets? Noise yeah. So having noise canceling headsets, if you have the ability to have a door that closes, close it, <laughs> you know, having specific noise, like uh, you know, I have a white noise machine that I keep outside the door so that if there's noise out in the hallway that I don't even hear it, it doesn't distract me as much. Anything that you can do to minimize the distractions is going to be helpful. The other thing is, I want to speak directly to, to when people are working on writing things, creating, of, again, this pulls in that the, the support of the visual. So instead of just sitting, if you're going to sit down and write a blog, instead of doing it with like a blank screen, you can do an outline. I call it a naked outline. Um, <laughs> it's not the best description, but but creating some kind of, you know, in the schools, they'll give, they'll talk about giving kids graphic organizers and things like that. And there's pros and cons to that. For us, when we're working on things, you know, like a blog post generally has, you know, you're going to have an introduction, you're going to have a conclusion, you're going to have you know, your call to action, you're going to have, you know, maybe like your three to five points, you know, your bullets that you that you include. But if you can create some sort of skeleton of an outline that you can use every time you do a blog post, it helps you to clue into the visual of what you're working on, to think through it in that way, and to not be stuck on what, like starting at the beginning. So to know that you're just going to sit down and you're going to plug in the different pieces. And this is helpful for any content. Like if you're looking to do a video and you want to just scratch out some of the ideas, like if you know what you want to do as your call to action first, 
you can start with, okay, this is what I want the call to action to be. You know, what, what, am, what is my topic going to be? What are, and then coming up with the points. So there's different ways of going about that where you can use that visual cueing to help scaffold your thoughts and really pull that together. So that's another tool. Yeah, that's awesome because what you're doing then is then you're not starting from nothing as well. And I think that little stepping stone of, hey, I've actually got something on the page, which is a yeah. generic outline, it just st- stops you from starting it at naught. <laughs> You've already got the first step done. So that's a really good tip for any of your um, your creative writing, whether it's a blog, whether it's a course lesson, whether it's, you know, whatever you're, you're creating at the time. One thing that I really love doing with time blocking as well is that I will do maybe three to five work time blocks and then mm-hmm. I give myself a creative time block whether that is reading a book or whether it is doing some sort of craft or lego with my girls whatever it is but you're giving us that that's my reward and the reward doesn't need to be expensive it doesn't actually have to cost anything it's more about the fact that you've when you've achieved something you receive something else as well so yeah that's another way I think one of the things sometimes is that people believe rewards have to either cost money or they need to be this huge, you know, party with the whole street sort of thing. But celebrating those little things along the way is a, is a really great way of keeping your endorphins running and, and yep. making sure that you're feeling good about the work we're doing. Because one of the reasons that we do work from home quite often is so that we can enjoy a lifestyle that we, we are um, wanting. So why not enjoy it along the way? Well, I also think what's really lovely about it is that it doubles as self-care. We're working at serving others and it's really important while serving others that we focus on serving ourselves as well yes. <laughs> first yeah. so that we can, you know, fill, fill our cups so that we can fill others. So being able to see those rewards and check them off as both the reward for getting the work done and self-care is a really beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. I I do like to remind my clients that you are part of everyone. So if everyone needs to be feeling good, then so do you. (laughs) And so remember to to, make sure you include yourself in everyone. Thanks so much, Toby. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you today. And I believe that so many people are going to get a whole heap out of what you've given us, some really good tips on time blocking and how to plan out our days. And I actually would love to talk to you again another time because there's so much more we could talk about in executive functioning. (laughs) It's such a large (laughs) nut. So thank you so much, Toby. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. You too.